And a big thank you to today's sponsor, superops.ai. Built for the future, built for growth. This is from a data point that was released in the IDC North America Partner Landscape Study mm-hmm. for 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, when asked to identify their top opportunities, 28.4% of the 503 partners surveyed named vendor relations as one of their top opportunities. Mm. They also said when asked to rank their biggest challenges, 28.5% said vendor relations. We'll talk about vendor relations. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the All Things MSU podcast. I'm your host, Justin Escar. With me always is my good friend, podcast producer extraordinaire, pirate, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Eric Anthony. We're talking about vendor management. We started, uh, I'm assuming this is going to make the, that part will make the pre-roll and we'll just carry it over or we'll just do some cool editing loop-de-loop things here. Uh, Yeah, vendor management's tough. Here's, Here's a great example of that, Mr. Anthony. When I need to find out who my new rep is at a vendor and I have to like call on friends to figure out who it is because like I can't manage those relationships. The amount of times I've called you about something at Ignite instead of my own rep, or I've called the CSM for one of my clients who doesn't actually have Ignite through me. They get it direct, but they're so large they have a CSM. And I will call my CSM and I'm probably getting I'm not gonna get in trouble, I'm not saying anything. But like to get something done. And like I I go after vendors all the time. I pull every string. True story about vendor management. I had a client uh just yesterday. Two days ago, two days ago, had uh, hosted QuickBooks with insert product here. I'm not going to say who because I don't want to blow up. Uh, it's a nonprofit that and their and their servers were down. And I was like, we need their data. And they got an e- like we sent a ticket. We need the data. And they sent back being like, our server administrators are currently working on the situation. And I and I and we wrote, no, 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 you don't understand. We need the QuickBooks file. We need it now. And they didn't write back. And so I called their support and I was just like a huge a-hole to the dude on the phone. I was like, and I literally, if you're watching on YouTube, this will be a good graphic. Listen, you don't understand. They're going through an audit. And if they don't get their data right now, they're not going to get their funding. And if they don't get their funding, you personally are going to be the one who's going to be responsible for 150 underprivileged girls who live in Harlem not being able to go to college. Do you want that on your conscience? And he's like, I'll get you the file within an hour. Like, yeah. And they did, by the way, and we canceled their service. Turns out they got breached. They didn't tell anyone. Um, the 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 whole vendor management thing is tough because one, a lot of the times, you know, we want to be nice to our vendors because, like, we need them, right? We need our vendors to like support us and do things like that. And at the same time, we we hate all our vendors. How many times have people complained about Kaseya's three year contract, like? They they don't do that anymore, but like we still want to harp on that. Or like even in the old, even in our Facebook group here, facebook.com slash groups slash all things MSP, someone will go like, I'm thinking about using XYZ vendor. And like the amount of like trollish bullshit that comes up. Yeah. They suck. Use these guys instead. Don't use them. Use this. No, no, they're great. No, blah, blah. Like, but the problem with the vendor management is it comes down to your ability to manage a relationship with a account manager who's also trying to manage their own life and having a job at that company, which may or may not be a good company or may not make, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's so many factors involved and it makes me tired. I mean, vendor management's a thing, right? We've talked about it for a while. Uh, not yeah. necessarily us on this podcast, but 
in the industry, it's been talked about a lot, especially in the last couple of years uh, when we've been relating it to partner experience. You know, the rest of the world is talking about customer experience, right? On on this side, when you're talking about vendor and vendor partners, you know, you're talking about partner experience. And there are some companies that do it well, and there are some companies that don't do it well. And it's a big divide, right? And it makes a big difference when it comes to who you want to work with as a partner, because yeah. the di it's a very different relationship when you're talking about a channel partner relationship rather than just a vendor customer or MSP client relationship, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot more interaction normally, and there's a lot more financial investment on both sides for sure it's yeah it's and the the funny thing is like you have to be able to you have to be able to to maintain those relationships right the same way you maintain your clients relationships right because if you if you look at it like the ish flows in one direction it goes from your client to you, to your vendor, to their boss, and so on and so forth. And somewhere along the line, you know, it's Jeff Bezos. I don't know. I don't know where it ends, but I'm always I'm always guessing that Jeff Bezos. Speaking of which, um, one of my favorite stories to tell about, and this is more customer success than anything else, but it can be applied here, is the way uh, Tony, Tony Shui, may he rest in peace, <clears throat> um, ran Zappos in the very beginning, which was no matter what position you're being hired for, you had to do three months on the phone support, like the customer service support. And they pride their company when it first came out on customer support. If you called Zappos, which for those who don't know is a shoe company, and you were like, my toaster is broken, they would try to help you. Mm -hmm. And if you were the new CFO of Zappos, you spent the first three months on the phone trying to help some random old person with, the, I'm assuming they're old because they're calling Zappos about their toaster, right? But like what that did was it helped build their culture internally to be customer service focused. And I honestly think that a lot of our vendors could take a page out of that book because the amount of times I've had an account manager who has left only to find out that they're working for another company doing account management stuff. Great. You've learned the account management stuff, but are you acting in the best interest of that company by learning their culture? And it, then you run into that problem also. So like it's, there's like too many peas in the pod here for this because it's, it's you, the MSP, the day you're having, your client, the day they're having, your account manager, the day they're having, their boss, their boss's boss, their boss's boss, boss, Eric, me, you know, because obviously we're involved. And like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it gets, it gets heavy. And it's understandable why a lot of people just flat out hate dealing with vendors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, and this is, you know, CompT has done a lot of research on this. And, and I just pulled this up. Um, while you were talking, the importance of good partner experience practices in choosing a vendor. Okay. Mm, yeah. So 35% say it's critical. And, and by critical, they will only work with vendors that have a seamless partner experience. 
Okay. I'm down for that. 57% say it's important, meaning they will accept minor deficiencies if the revenue opportunity is high. But only if the revenue opportunity is high. Yeah, but that's not even a defin that's not even a definitive what what's it mean that the revenue opportunity is high? If I resell, you know, Microsoft Office, the revenue isn't high. Like where's the breakpoint there? So my my guess is that it's for me, if I was an MSP right now, um, I'd really want at least 35 to 50% markup. Yeah. If yeah, I'm yeah. just reselling a product. Now, obviously on labor, that's you know, that's it's different. different. Right. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'm down with that. But, if, if, if 50%, yeah, I will accept I will accept small deficiencies if I'm still getting 35 to 50%. Right. I'm right. fine with that. I'm okay. But that's 92%. Either think it's critical or important. Those other 8% are going to be out of business real fast. Well, they just said they they, they just say it's a nice to have. Right? What are they are they just managing their own ish and like not worrying about it? Do they just think that like everyone's because I guarantee you the MSP that says it's a nice to have and then had to go deal with this hosted QuickBooks solution. Right. What were they doing for the client? The client their client must be so mad at them all the time. And well, and here's 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 another interesting one. And this this should really get the vendors, you know, to be worried about this. It says 50% of channel firms have dropped a vendor due to poor partner experience practices in the last two years. 50%. 50%. So you're saying 50% of MSPs will drop a partner due to yep. piss poor performance. Have. Have. Not will. Have. We've dropped partners before, not because of performance, but just because of a lack of engagement from our own team i'm not i yeah. the thing is like i would only pick partners from the get-go that i know have like i don't want to partner with with the i mean i have in the past but like i don't want to partner with the newbies that are like we're going to disrupt the i don't know accounting world like i would i wouldn't do that i wouldn't do that to my actually you know what i've done that before years ago there was some new product, some new hot product on the market that basically allowed you to spin up your own private Dropbox. That's what they were advertising. We're Uber for Dropbox. Um, and uh, you know, you remember back in like the early 2010s when everyone's like, I'm the Uber of books, I'm the Uber of Snapple, I'm the Uber of whatever. Like that was their thing. Anyway, so and this, if you go look on um on Apple Consultants Locator, if you look up our reviews, we have one one-star review. And it's from a guy who I will take this. This is my fault. I sold this product to them. The idea was that like he had his own private Dropbox that we were managing. It was on their servers. Uh, so I don't know how it was any different than actually Dropbox, except that we were able to brand it and do all these other things and do stuff like that. And the product sucked. And like we got no support from them and nothing. And as soon as that guy like was like, I don't want to work with you anymore. I went to that client. I went to that vendor and I was like, I don't want to work with you anymore because it was just a crappy product. And so, but since then, since then I've only picked companies I know that have backing and legs that stand on. Yep. Like it's very, we've talked about this for, I use Ignite. I resell Ignite a lot. Um, Ignite's not going anywhere. Right. Yeah. 
uh, we re- we use Pax Eight. Pax Eight ain't going anywhere. Uh, you know what I mean? Like we're not picking up. You know, I don't even have anything on my desk to like. I'm not backing the company that makes my little fake Game Boy over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, because I don't know, I can't get support. The weirdly though, this is the funny one is Ubiquity. I was having a conversation with our with our uh, productivity personnel Fred because we still don't have a title for him um and we were talking about Meraki the other day and 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 I was showing him the Meraki parts and the difference because he's never done Meraki before I was showing him the difference between an MX an MS and an MR firewall switch and wireless and this you know Meraki switches are like crazy stupid expensive and he's like how do they get away with charging five thousand dollars for a 48 port switch and a license when you can buy the same thing from ubiquity for for a thousand and i said call ubiquity for support <laughs> and he goes oh i got it because if you call meraki and you yeah. type in your eight digit code you got someone on the phone within 10 seconds right so ubiquity is the one that i think that i will bend on and the only reason i will do that is because i have tech team members that are certified in ubiquity and we know enough about them to like get out of it but like you, no one's getting support from them um well and that's but the all experience. the other it's, but it's the experience, yeah. Like all my other vendors, I'm very keen on vendor management because I'm very much being like, who do I need to talk to to get this thing? Here, great example is I'm working on a project right now and I'm thinking Ignite's the right solution for it. And I spent what, four days, five days calling you and we were we were going back and forth like every two hours with updates, which by the way, that project might be happening. Um, but like that's because you're in, in – in that respect for them from that company you're my vendor management guy for that right like i'm I, that interaction keeps me there that's why you're good at what you do there um what keeps me here is seeing your pretty face every time we record um it's not vendor management we work together it's different and just a friendly reminder that today's episode is brought to you by superops.ai superops.ai is an ai-powered psa rmm platform designed for fast-growing msps that is built for the future and built for growth having both of your most important tools as an msp built into one has advantages over others that are just merely integrated whether you are shopping for a new psa or rmm or you're just getting started as an msp you should check out superops.ai if you aren't looking for a new RMM or PSA, I still recommend you check out their new community full of information about this industry for some really awesome industry leaders. But like those are the kinds of things that like I look for, right? Like I want my rep to like understand who I am. I want my rep to understand my business. Right. And I love talking to the, the reps who do the big PC stuff because I'm like, we're back. We do things differently. <laughs> you know, um, I don't want a rep who's going to like, I had a rep one time call me. He's like, oh, you're from the five towns? That's so cool. What's, what was it like there? I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? That's not – no. First off, it's horrible. And No. <laughs> well, they're trying to create that false relationship, right? Right. It's Which, false relationship. I don't want that. I want a real relationship. You know, it's in the playbook for a lot of these companies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. unfortunate, but it's true because you don't – need to create fake relationship when you can create real relationship. Exactly. Um, you know, vendor, you were talking about picking a vendor. Vendor vetting is, is a huge thing and it's really important. In fact, we just, so we created this initiative at, um, 
CompTIA CCF last year, and we actually uh, went over it with people at ChannelCon this year as well, because we actually did some work on it and then presented it. And the final product should be coming out here in the next month or so, where we actually developed guidelines and kind of a checklist for vendor vetting. And it's not just around security, because a lot of them are around security right now, making sure that you vet a vendor properly for security. It does include those components, but it also includes some of the business practice types of things that you need to make sure that you and your vendor are a good fit for each other before you go into a relationship where you're, you know, mutually reliant on each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I have stopped using a vendor when I found out that they got series F funding before, um, which for those who don't know, when you, when you go for venture capitalism, uh, <laughs> venture capitalism, when you go for venture capital, <laughs> sorry, when you go for venture capital. It is capitalism is what we're talking about. Uh, when you go for venture capital, your seed round is your first round and then you go round, and then every round after you, you add a letter and that's how much you get money for A, B, C, whatever. And you're supposed to be able to run your own business by, I think B is like the golden rule, right? If you get to series B funding, you should be able to run your business and things. Should be, and if you're going to series F funding, that means you do not have a way of self-sustaining your business. And like, this was a pretty big vendor of ours. Um, and we've since pulled all of our clients off that product and move stuff around. Not because we didn't have a good experience with them. Like my rep is great. They hired a couple of people who I heard about that I didn't particularly like. So I didn't care for those business decisions. Um, but more so that they, when I found out about, you know, if they're taking series F funding, that means their product isn't moving in the direction I wanted to move in or <clears throat> the business isn't moving in the direction I needed to move in for me to feel comfortable as an MSP to recommend that product. You know what I mean? And so I was like, well, nice knowing you. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, for, I, I think there's some exceptions to that. I mean, I think somebody sure. who goes from series A to series F in a very short period of time, they're probably a rocket ship, which is the exception, not the rule. What yeah. you're describing is somebody who, goes from series A to B to C to D to E to F over many, many years. Yes, that yeah. is an indicator to me that they are not self-sufficient. They are not able to produce enough cash flow to sustain much less grow. Right. Now, if they go from A to F in a year. Different story. It's a rocket ship. Yeah, yeah. The other thing is, and you mentioned on security, um, we will ask our vendors, unless they're like super, super, super big, we will ask our vendors for a SOC 2 report <clears throat> and a BDCR report just to see if they have them. Like, I wouldn't know what to do with them, but if they have them, because SOC 2, SOC, for those who don't know, SOC, uh, or I think sometimes it's called a SOC 1 Type 2 or a SOC 2, depending on what part of the country you're from. Um, it's like the difference between a soda and a pop. Um, it's a, it's not a technical analysis. It's an accounting analysis of the organization, um, in a securities perspective. And so if they have those things in place and they can get a SOC to, which by the way, it's not easy to do. Um, and I think a lot of MSPs should think about doing it for themselves if they have 
fifty thousand dollars to spare. Um, if the company has a SOC two report, it shows that they have been vetted by people who are innately smarter than I am, right? Um, and so I can usually tr I can trust on that fact. Like I know we use phone.com a lot for our VoIP, but I, I have the phone.com SOC two report and, and they do it every year. It's not like you get it once and you're done. They have to do it every year. Yep. So I get that every year when I need it. Um, but that tells me that phone.com is on top of their stuff. They're secure as much as you can be They're accounting practices are in check that the, there's there's solidification within their business right um and so that's that's also really big for me too um and then their bdcr report backup disaster continuity recovery i think it's called right um where it's showing what's going to happen if they get breached uh, well, an IRP is more for what they get breached, but like uh, the BDCR is like how they're going to recover from that. How are they going to continue with the business if, you know, something happens? And if they have something written, that means somebody there it, and it's continuously being updated. That means they have a team there that is working on that consistently, which shows me that that's the forefront of their mind. Right. So many SaaS companies, so many SaaS companies are ready to just push their product to market and don't think like, what's the repercussions if something happens? Yeah, Those and that's, watch out. you know, it's interesting. I, I had a I had a discussion with Matt Lee from PAX 8 probably last year. I think it was last year about this time, maybe or, or maybe a month or so ago last, you know, several, you know, but we had a discussion about how much easier it is for new vendors to have that type of information because they've grown up in an era where VCDR matters, right? Right. They've grown up without the technical debt that they have to go back and fix before they can be as secure as they should be. Um, so it, it's, it's really interesting when you start looking at, especially some of these older companies that, you know, their, their technical debt is so large that it's very hard for them to comply with some of these newer things. Yeah. And especially with compliance, I mean, we've talked about compliance before and so much changing in 2020. And we'll probably talk about compliance like seven times over. Uh, I think oh, there we go. It's getting a little choppy. I'm not sure if it's me or you. Um, we've talked about this before. We've talked about compliance on past episodes and I'm sure we'll talk about it 14 times next year, but <clears throat> you know, some of these older companies that need to stay on top of that, my my look on it is if they have the the staff to to run with it and be on top of it, that's you're a okay in my book. You know yep. what I mean? Um I mean teaser alert, by the way. We actually have a guest uh lined up, just not scheduled yet, to talk about uh MSPs creating a compliance practice. Uh, as part of their MSP. So that podcast should be coming up within the next, I would say the next 30 to 60 days. Or if you're listening to this next summer, it already happened and you have to go back an episode. Well, but then you can just go find it, you know, and 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 play it and find out how to add a compliancy all, practice to your MSP. All things time traveling. Um, 
All right. So tell I want, what I want from the audience is uh, tell us in the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash all things MSP. You should know that by now. Um, tell us uh, a vendor that you like. Don't, don't be, I don't want, I don't want negative here. I want only positives. Okay. I know that's hard for some of you keyboard warriors out there. Uh, only positives. Tell us a vendor that you like and tell us why. Yep. What about that vendor? What about your interactions with that vendor do you like, right? Don't just straight up be like, I like, you know, I like uh, uh, Liquid Death because it tastes good. No, I like Liquid Death because it tastes good. They have really good marketing. My interactions with them are always fun and exciting. Like something like that, right? I've never interacted with Liquid Death. Um, hashtag not a sponsor. Please be a sponsor. Um, but yeah, leave us, tell us who who you like because – like I said earlier, there's always been that, um, you know, like, should I go with this company or that company? And everyone gets all negative. I want only positive. Let's, let's, yep. let's try. And I don't know when this episode's coming out, but let's try for 2024 more positivity in the Facebook, in the all things MSP Facebook group. There we go. That's there what we've can, always strived for. Less drama. <laughs> So actually, you know, the way I want to end this with is you guys should try to be more like us and do better next time. <laughs> that's Eric. I'm Justin. Uh, that's it from us. All the All Things MSP podcast. Check us out. Facebook.com slash group slash All Things MSP. YouTube.com slash at All Things MSP. Follow us on your favorite podcasting uh, programs. Like and subscribe on all of them. I don't care if you listen to us five times a day. It's fine. We need the numbers. Leave a review. Leave a comment. DM Eric. DM, DM Justin. Send us holiday gifts at Eric's P.O. Box, which he'll put somewhere in the show notes. That's it. Bye! And once again, thank you very much to superops.ai for being today's podcast sponsor. From your host, Justin Escar, and myself, thank you for listening to the All Things MSP podcast. Join the All Things MSP Facebook group or follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. The All Things MSP podcast is a BizPow LLC production, and even though we drink a lot of it, this podcast is still not sponsored by Liquid Death.